Hello everyone in Jewland. My name is Moshe Kasher. My name is David Kasher. I'm a comedian. He's a rabbi. Today is Sunday. Or is it? I don't know what day it is anymore. This weekend I was like, it's the weekend. And then I was like, oh wait, that no longer matters. We're all sitting trapped in our quarantine bunkers. Time has become an illusion. Life has felt more and less meaningful than it ever has before and it feels like we're living in a strange temporal distortion. So David, Rabbi Kasher, as your acolytes call you. Comedian you Moshe. What's oh, up? Comedian Moshe, I do like to be called, yeah. <laughs> that, was, you, that, was, that was a great introduction, man. You really, you really like described the whole concept of time there. Well, you wanted to talk about Jewish time and how it relates to this strange temporal distortion we're experiencing. What do the ideas of time in Judaism have to teach us about this endless slog that we're in the middle of? Well, well before, before we go there, let me ask you, have you actually, have you had that thing where you've lost track? You don't know what day it is? I mean, not like in life, like particularly now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, de- it definitely feels like um, time has ceased to have meaning, although I do feel like I'm simultaneously aging more rapidly than I ever have before. It's probably because I haven't had a haircut this whole quarantine. And I don't right. I have like four grays that have come in. Four, David, four. So wow. I feel like I'm aging quickly, but also like time isn't moving. <laughs> right. Uh, what's the, there's that line, like the, the days go by so slowly and the years go by so fast. Like it's like, what, we, like how long have we been doing this? Like two months, I guess? Yes. Doesn't it feel like the reality that we're living in is now permanent? I mean, I truly, I actually can't imagine a time when this doesn't exist. So yeah, well, I'm losing it, David. Yeah, right. That's the other thing. We lost, our, we lose our sense of, of what time we're in now, but also we have no sense of this ending. So this is like, as far as we're concerned, this is just reality, like dot, 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 you know? So how do we get out? How does Judaism? Well, so so the reason that that I find that that experience so fascinating and like that and I that experience and that conversation like that I hear people having like what day is it kind of so fascinating is because I it is true I feel that way and then at the same time I I do feel really sharply maybe more than ever before the way that like the Jewish the whole Jewish living thing is so structured around time, so structured around time that it, it ends up being the main experience of time that I have. Like the most obvious thing is I do get lost in the middle of the week. Like, is this Wednesday or is it Thursday or is it, but like, I do have Shabbat and Shabbat is Shabbat, you know, like that's the obvious example. But then there are all these other ways that like Judaism just sort of structures the rhythm of your day and your life and all this, you know what I mean? So it's like when Western time was taken away from us, you still had Jew time that would allow you to move forward. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, in a way. And I, yeah. And, and I, and it makes me feel like that sort of must all have always been true about being Jewish is that you had, you had a kind of your own calendar and your own sense of time that operated in your mind along with whatever other time zone or culture or kind of rhythm that you were living in 
you know, like it's this other time. And, and now that time feels so elusive, like so hard to find a sense of, of like structure and, and like time moving. Now I feel the Jewish time sort of pop out, you know, like, like I know that it's, well, right now, for example, um, it, it, the, the, this, this example is like on the nose because right now we're, we're in this period between Passover and, and um, the next holiday Shavuot where the central ritual is counting the days. There are like 49 days and you count your way through them. Like the, the Torah tells you to count. So like the, the very idea that this reli- part of this religion is keeping track of time and rhythms and daily schedules is like, I don't know, it's just a trippy concept that I don't usually face that way. Are we talking about counting the Omer? Yes, that's the that's the ritual right now. There's a there's a um, period of time between Passover, which celebrates the kind of the liberation, and then Shavuot, um, which uh, was originally a, an agricultural holiday, but has come to celebrate the the revelation at Mount Sinai, where um, the, there there was a, a schedule of counting a certain agricultural cycle between them, but now it's become this spiritual thing of like moving, counting your way from liberation to revelation. That's like the, the sort of the, the way that we now embrace that counting ritual. But, but in the, in the actual practice of it, it's like you count, like you have to count every day. Like this, this is, I know this to be the 31st day. That's what we counted last night. Like we're heading towards 49. So I'm very like aware of that, even though I don't, I like, is it Sunday? Is it Wednesday? You know? Does it matter what we're counting right now is bushels of grain until we get to the revelation. <laughs> right. And that's, that's my message. And that's what's really important. Well, no, you know, I, just... I was talking to a Muslim friend of mine, and I have Muslim friends because I am a progressive. Nice. Um, well, he's in the middle of Ramadan. And he was telling me about how, you know, it's difficult to fast during all of Ramadan. It's a month of fasting. And then it kind of blew my mind because he was like, but you know, if you don't make one day or two days or five days in Ramadan, you can make them up in, uh, in months to come. And I was like, that is so interesting because, and I brought up the Omer because I always thought the Omer was such a, counting the Omer was such a, a mean-spirited mitzvah because, uh, you there's 613 mitzvot that you have to follow if you're an orthodox jew but counting the omer is one that you actually have to get perfectly in order to to qualify as opposed to ramadan right if you miss a day while you're counting the omer for the 30 days of counting the omer you just don't get that mitzvah that year well yeah like you sort of there's like there's some debate. Uh, well, this, yeah, there's some debate over whether, how absolutely exactly you have to count it. And so you do keep counting, but you stop saying the blessing that you usually say as a way of saying like, well, we're not even sure if you're doing it right anymore. It is very severe in that way. Like you kind of got it. It's like, you have to get the whole thing exactly. It's I, I mess up, I would say most years. And I think it's one of the hardest uh, mitzvot to actually <laughs> carry out perfectly. Well, what if that was the one mitzvah you needed to do right in order to get sealed into the book of life and forgetting the 28th day of the Omer was what signed your death warrant? That, I mean, that's the God I believe in. And that's my message to the people. That's why we're doing this podcast. So let's talk about Jewish time. Like, What are some of the basic tenets of how Jews mark, demarcate time and how they observe time that are different from 
you know, our, our, uh, our, our Christian calendar. Right. Well, I, I mean, for the first thing is just to like set the stage is that I think to a certain extent, Jewish, the Jewish people is kind of born with like, with their, with their calendar. Like when we leave Egypt and, and the, and the tradition records the first like commandment given to the entire people is, um, this this month will be the beginning for you of of the months of the calendar and so it's like and you know it's like pointing up at the new moon and like now you're gonna start you know a new cycle like it's symbolic of course like this is the beginning of a new uh era for you but it's also like what what your new civilization will be centered around or seen through is your progress through the year at least that's one major paradigm and and it's like deeper than that because it's also like these people were slaves and this is like this in the moment of their liberation it's like the torah is saying now you you're you manage your own time like which is that's what um that's what slaves don't get to do is 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 control their time like every and so the the our our sort of liberation story is is like begins by saying okay here's here's like your calendar. Here's your way through the world. Like you can actually mark your, your journey through time yourselves. Right. And so even like on a more fundamental level, um, you know, you were saying that, that slaves don't get to be in control of their own time and their own schedules. Like Judaism has this primary principle, one of the 10 commandments and probably the centerpiece of the entire Jewish life of Shabbat, which is even right. though we're no longer slaves, a lot of us are wage slaves and people are, are slaves to working in the market, that throughout Jewish history, we had a time frame that was based upon getting to the seventh day where we would rest. And in fact, they say that the Romans, when they came to Israel and saw the Jews, were baffled by how they could conduct a society where every seven days the entire populace kicked back, ate some chalant, and took a nap. Right, right. And that's a very deep thing, because then it's not just like time. It, like then, well, then once you actually get introduced to the special days of the calendar, like Shabbat especially, right, it being so, so central to the Jewish experience, but all the holidays, like then you have this sense of sacred time where like, Time isn't just the thing you use to manage your life. Time is also the 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 temp the backdrop for like your encounters with God or or transcendent experiences or just like you know uh, uh, you like Shabbat of all of all things is like once a week you just have a day where it's just it's not about working it's not about it's like this spiritual experience so time becomes like at least slightly touched with like a spiritual element and beyond even that i've thought a lot about this uh there could be no greater gift to a people that were absolutely addled with torture uh and and uh pogroms and genocides and anti-semitism and discrimination than shabbat the seventh day being a day of celebration is the uh, exact thing that a people who are under uh, a calendar of unceasing discrimination need to make it through thousands of years of that kind of living. Because Jews throughout the world, 
had this experience of no matter what was happening temporally at this moment, they could still look forward to Saturday when they would say, even though the Cossacks were here on Thursday, Shabbat is coming and we'll slaughter a chicken and we'll hang out and we will sing songs and there will be a divine break. Even though obviously Cossacks don't respect Shabbat and sometimes raid a village on Saturday, at least mentally. Cossacks don't keep Shabbos. That's right. But at least mentally, you had your eyes on a spiritual prize in terms of your calendar. Right. And I and I like I feel like on a much, much, you know, uh, less um, uh, grievous uh, scale. Right. My our our suffering at this moment, unless we're we're sick, um, is, you know, it's not as bad as being, you know, some of the dangers you just outlined. I don't mean to compare it, but we but we are all kind of trapped. In, in, in a way. And a lot of us are, are, are really scared. And um, there's this, so we're like, we're contained in these little spaces. And there is this way in which time then just starts to like, whether we're um, working like unceasingly through this time, because nothing, there's no nine to five, or whether we have nothing to do. And we're sort of like, just sort of, you know, drifting through the space, like Shabbat then pops up and says like, no, this day is different. Like, like the, you still have a rhythm in your life. You still have a, a kind of an experience of oh something's and 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 I'm not saying like Shabbat is the you know is the only way to do like people are doing this in all kinds of ways trying to find I think we're all trying to find ways to say like okay so you know on Thursday afternoons we have our happy hour and we all meet on Zoom or something that's also a way of creating a sense of like I think we need that as humans of feeling like oh it's this again. No, I agree with you, uh, David, in what you were saying, that other Gentile peoples have inferior versions of what they think of as Shabbats, but that we have the, the actual pure, uncut product, is what you were saying. From And you were saying that as an official representative of the synagogue you work at. <laughs> what I was saying is that um, Judaism definitely taps into something that's deeply human and fundamental. And, right. and it's I- like when it's Shabbat, it's not quarantine it's shabbat that's what's right. happening and, and right, kind exactly. of, it's kind of like back to normal we do the we, we say the bracha that we said when we weren't in quarantine and we say the bracha that we said when we weren't in the shtetl and we say the bracha that we said when we weren't in exile and we say the bracha that we said when the temple wasn't burnt down that kind of a thing right 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 and that in 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 a way we have that no matter what that rhythm with us and there are different rhythms and, and i and, and, and like there are three basic i think jewish time schemes There's i just the, want to say that before you get into that that jews are also known for their rhythm not just for shabbat but we we're one of the most rhythmically inclined people everybody knows the jews have really good rhythm and can dance really well i had not i had not heard that well i am also a scholar of judaism and i will say that one of the stereotypes about the Jewish people is they can really uh, cut a rug. Do you want to? You want to like do any kind of I don't know, free beat beatboxing or? Free I would do that, but it doesn't feel like it's in line with the format of this podcast. But listen, when I say cut a rug, I don't just mean dance. We're also known known for selling uh, shmatas in the garment district, so we can Wait, literally cut a rug. Wasn't didn't you have a podcast once where you're constantly threatening to freestyle? That was like a that's right. The, the champs may it rest in peace. I yeah. was always asking Neil Brennan if I could freestyle rap, and to this day, 
he never has said yes, and it sounds like you're encouraging me to do so. But well, to I, be- yeah, I know that as your brother and now podcast partner, I welcome, and I think all of the people would welcome anytime you want to, you know, you know, best around. But um, I was saying that uh, that there's like these, I think, three layers of of Jewish time. There's the we've been talking mostly about the calendar stuff and calendar like all of the, you know, kind of rhythm of moving through the first the week and then the month and then special occasions like holidays. Then there's also like daily time. So that's mostly in the form of like the three prayers you say in the day, but also there's morning rituals and evening rituals, like things you do before getting into bed or getting up or, um, and that also kind of marks your sense of, of time, of Jewish time. And then the other thing is like the, the life cycle is also a, uh, a kind of a time, like you're aware of, like we just had at Eddie Carr, we just had this um, bat mitzvah recently. And this, um, this, you know, young woman, like, you know, celebrating a thing, which it was very weird and strange and it's online and everything. And there's, you know, there's something kind of like sad about it, but actually it was like incredibly beautiful because it's like, no matter what, this girl's becoming 13 and she's entering into the covenant. And it's like, that's happening no matter what, like quarantine can't stop that. And that was like, there's something powerful about that. Right. Right. That is, that is beautiful in that, and that's in a way what religion in general and ritual in general does for us is that it it gives us these uh, moments of demarcation. We are born, we are circumcised, or we are given our name. We are uh, given our bar, bar or bat mitzvah. We, you know, get married. We, you know, well, yeah. is that it? <laughs> I guess, that, and then we die. Is that that sound well, right? Well. Well, another way to put it is that there's like, there's a, there's a journey, you know, in our lives and like we journey through certain stages and it's different, obviously for all of us. And, you know, not all the same things happen for everybody, but there's a journey in our lives and maybe there's a, there's a journey through our years. And then it really does like the same sorts of ritual opportunities are a bit like, you know, you could have like we had on Passover, you know, in the middle of quarantine, like it was weird. And like, not the maybe like the best way to celebrate Passover. We all kind of had it together because we're all in this in this thing together that it kind of exists um, no matter what. You use that word rhythm, you know, recently, and I think that's actually like you're joking, but like I think it's a deep thing. Like I think that is one of the things that that spiritual traditions give us that human beings need. It's just like a certain kind of like I think there are plenty of people who don't like believe in in religions, but like they participate in them because it's like, it just creates a certain kind of like rhythm to your life that, that we thrive on. Well, I can tell you my own personal experience of using Jewish time to demarcate my uh, leaps forward in life is that for the last 20 years, um, I have gone, my, my life's rhythm has been that on Labor Day, I go to Burning Man. This is literally last year was 20 years in a row. And at Burning Man, I have a, a Bach, you know, my Bacchanalian um, fun festival where I think about, you know, uh, uh, what has happened since the last time I went to Burning Man. As cheesy as that sounds, it's just true. And then right after Burning Man, every year comes Yom Kippur. 
And so mm-hmm. I have had this rhythm, and I think we all do this to some degree, all Jews and all people who are involved in ancient or old school religions and or cultures that are a part of our lives, but we also live in the modern world. We take the modern stuff that's that we've gotten from our life cycle, and we infuse it with this old stuff that we've gotten from our heritage. And that's what I do. So I go to Burning Man, I start to think about, you know, days that there's no better place to start the days of awe than in a place as awe-inspiring as Burning Man. And then two weeks or a month later, I enter into Yom Kippur. And that, that's been my rhythm, you know, it's like, how have right. I grown as a person? How have I grown as a man? I start the thinking about that process at Burning Man. And then I, I end that process at Yom Kippur. Right, right. And I think, I think probably everyone's got some form of like, this is the shape of my year or, or, or it's, you know, like, and, and it, it maybe, maybe you're saying it's especially pronounced when you can tap into some, some culture that's been basically like working on that for, you know, I just said, I was just, I just said this um, Shabbat, I was ta- like talking about the, this calendar, which appears in this week's Torah reading. And, and, and I quoted this, um, this friend of, of mine, Nico, um, who said that like the Jewish calendar is like a masterpiece. And it's like, it is true. Like we've been working on this, this, this thing for so many years. It's so nuanced now. There's, it's so layered. It's so deep. Our like journey through the calendar, like throughout the years, it's the same. And then it also changes it. Like new and new layers get formed on top of it. And so now it's this like incredibly dense, like what Passover is to the Jewish people or like, what Shabbat is to the Jewish people. Like you could spend like, you know, like, uh, like 10 hours and not speak that all the way out, you know? Yeah. Like, can you tell me what some of the layers are that have been added over the years and what the Jewish calendar is? Like, are you, do you mean by that, that like Passover used to just be about our exodus from Egypt, but then it became about our exodus from Israel and then it became about our various struggles of the Jewish people throughout history and then it became about the various struggles of all people is that the layering you're talking about right yeah like take the Omer which I was just talking about we're we're in the middle of counting the Omer like it, it originally seems to just be this agricultural thing like you're counting the days you know before you bring the grain offering right and it's like agriculture but also like you know the sacrifice culture where they like you know present offerings and that's, but then at a certain point, that's like, that's no longer, like they're no longer there in Israel and they're, we're no longer all, all farmers. But another thing that happens around this time is um, one of the greatest rabbis in the Talmud, like a, a plague, like a, a pandemic, like we're in, breaks out amongst his students and 24,000 of them die. And then, then the Omer gets sort of tinged with sadness. So there's like certain mourning, like right now I'm growing a beard as part of like a mourning ritual because like that's also a memory that's now embedded in the Omer. And, and then like in the Kabbalistic period, they take up this idea of counting and they like, they're very into numbers and counting and, you know, gematrias and, you know, all kinds of Kabbalistic schemes. And so they create a whole new system of counting your way through the divine aspects in your soul. And then, you know, the, like, and you could go on and on and on. And, and so it is with all the holidays, you know, like Shavuot is also agricultural holiday, but then it becomes the day that is about revelation of Torah. And right. And then it becomes the, uh, the, the night that we stay up all night because that tradition develops. Like, it's just like, that's the way these, that's the way these ho- holidays work at everything's so later. Right. And then we also, uh, not only is it, is it history, 
that adds layers to these uh, holidays and these rituals and this time, uh, uh, ca- this calendar. But it's also, like I was saying, it's our personal lives. We all take all of that history and then infuse it into our personal lives. Like I was just saying, like I took the ritual of Yom Kippur and I married it with my ritual of going to Burning Man. That might be sacrilege to some, but it works for me. And so I took that that thing that was already layered and I added a personal layer. I do want to say, though, for the sake of uh, safe public safety, that if you are doing Burning Man Yom Kippur as a one-two punch, you have to be very careful not to mix them up. One year, I made a huge mistake. I fasted at Burning Man and I ended up taking Molly and having group sex at Temple. And that both things were not appropriate to do. Very embarrassing that year. Very embarrassing. You know, not a good like, year. Not a good my year. First year at my new job, and there you are in the in the middle of the of the altar, like splayed yeah. out. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that that's uh, that there's something uh, there's something about that 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 relationship that we have to time that's so personal. Like you know, and every family knows it. Like what Passover is is not just the layers in Jewish history, as you said, but it's also like. Where were you and I, like when we used to go to Ron and Lynn's for Passover or when like, you know, we like had, you started running our own seders and, you know, like all of that is so infused with like what Passover is. It's like our connection and our family's connection and the different parts of our family and the way they intersect on the holidays. And, you know, I mean, like people have these experiences with the holidays where it's like just a a catalog of, you know, of memories, you know, and sometimes it's hard for people and sometimes it's. It's but it's rich either way. And then if you have you know children or a partner, you start to layer them into your experience. You take these memories that are childhood memories for you, and you know the first time I take my child through you know Passover this year was the first year she kind of had any clue what was going on. Uh, you know that's a new layer that I add to my own experience, even when I'm giving her only the first layer and. Uh, you know, right. she, took, she took to it, you know, she's still screaming, daddy be Moses and making me uh, tie a towel on my head and say, let my people go. So that's her first layer of personalization of this calendar for herself. Totally. Yeah, no, it's cool to see her get really into it. Like, it's like, it's almost like intuitive, you know, that she gets that like something special is happening right now. Like I'm going to take right. note of it and it'll be embedded in her, like imprinted in her. You know, then eventually she can grow older. And she can reject it and use that memory as a, a poisonous pill uh, about her father, you know, indoctrinating her with a religion that she never wanted and never asked for. And then maybe she'll stop talking to me for a decade or more. But then maybe we'll reconcile right when she gets out of graduate school and I'm getting on in years and she wants to reconnect with me because she's writing a memoir about her early years. And that'll be another layer. And then, you know, then when I die, she'll finally realize that she should have paid more attention to me this whole time because I really was a special dad after all. Well, yeah, we can we can we can only hope. That is what I hope that that is the life I'm hoping for. Um, but the, you know, but I do want to say there's something you said that I think in some ways takes us full circle, which is just that this idea that right what we're talking about right now, the way that a family will share this experience, I know, and you bring your partner into it, and then you start tracking time together, and then you have your kids and you bring them into it. In some ways, that's like that's a perfect analog to like the experience of the whole Jewish people. Like that's right, like they're given this calendar at their at their inception, and then it's like. 
this, the Jewish story is the story of like the people who journeyed through time together. You know, like we have all of these experiences, like we have a shared set of symbols that sort of mark our experience through time. And we sort of like, that, that's, that might be one definition of, of what Judaism is. It's like, you know, the people you march through time with, you know? Yeah, that's right. And then, you know, the Jewish people look forward to this messianic age, which will be a cessation of the old time and and a beginning of the new time in this sort of strange, like we're getting through this time together and eventually we will burst the bubble of what time is. Now, of course, that gets us into like, you know, uh, ideas that are probably beyond the purview of this podcast, but the idea that time has a beginning and an end period, you know, the, the totally. basic question about time that everybody always asks a, a theoretical physicist is, if time began when the universe began, what was happening before that? And then they will say something like, what is before that even mean? There was no before. You start to get into these like, sort of mind bending, you know, uh, psycho, almost psychedelic questions. Right. Well, you know, the, you know, it's just God. God made the world and all that, you know? Well, that's as good an answer as any. Honestly, you're joking. But <laughs> right, I'm half, right, I'm half joking, half serious, yeah. Um, but no, you're, you're exactly right. This is, I said before, there are like three levels of time, like daily and calendar and, and life cycle. But you're, you're right. This is a fourth important layer of Jewish time, which is like the journey through history, which you're right. Like there's some idea that history is linear or at least like not linear, but arced. It's like going somewhere. And like it has, there's, there's a notion of a future and that that future is, is, is is good that we're heading towards a better place that's one of i think you know the faith principles that is part of the jewish um experience you know it's not it's not about god it's a belief in in eventual goodness and progress i hope and i it seems that if you look at the calendar of the world from a macro enough view things are getting better and as long as the ice caps don't melt and end human life, we will eventually march towards progress. I think that that's true. Yeah, that's certainly what mom thinks, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I hope mom's right. You know, I'll tell you a thing about time that blew my mind. I mean, maybe this will not be that uh, uh, shocking to those that have studied science more than me, but I was talking to a theoretical physicist once because uh, I do that because I'm a progressive. Um, he was a Muslim theoretical physicist. He wasn't, but I would like to think that he was. Um, you're, you're progressive and you're also brilliant. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I have both of those going on for me. And I go to Burning Man. I got a lot of, there's a lot wow. of layers for me as wow. well. Yeah. But um, just this idea that, you know, that, you know, they could be, they talk about space time or times, time and space. And in a physicist view, there's no difference between time and space. And it kind of just like blew my mind. I asked him, I go, wait, do you mean to tell me that like this? And I go, I pointed at the sky is the same thing that makes my grandma be born in 1915 and, and die in, you know, 2002. Like those are the same force, just like space and the passage of time, it's all one thing. And he was like, kind of, yeah. And that yeah. really blew my mind. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're getting pretty f we're far out there. But, like, I, I got to say that, like, in, in Jewish discussions of 
you know, like what, how time works and where God, you know, like whether God is involved in history and all, like one of the answers given Maimonides, for example, says that like God is outside of time, you know, like that God, like time, which is, is, is an, an, another way of saying like time is, it's like a deeply human thing, mm-hmm. you know, like a thing that yeah. in a sense, it doesn't even really exist. It's, it exists because that's how we experience our journey through the world. Like, it feels like the most natural thing and also a total construct of our imagination. Well, I think that the, uh, that the Muslim theoretical physics, physics community would probably agree with you. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, solidarity. I'll, solidarity with all peoples. Um, I, oh, oh, speaking of, I have three funny things I wanted to bring up as we bring this to a close that have to do with time, two of which uh, you were there for. Uh, but one of which is just one of my favorite um, descri- descriptions of the life calendar and the time calendar. There's a clip on YouTube um, where a guy is introducing a competitor in a competitive hot dog eating contest. And the way that he introduces the competitor, who is an old man, he's like the, the old champion. He says, um, champion hot dog eater. Hot dog eater. He says, I just thought this is the greatest description of the life cycle I've ever heard. He says, When we are young, we drink our coffee with cream and sugar, then just with sugar, then black, then decaf, then we die. (laughs) Right. Lots of different schemes for marking time in the world. What a beautiful way to describe the life cycle. I have two more anecdotes. Since we're talking so much about Passover, I am reminded of the Passover, and we're talking about our memories of Passover's past. I'm reminded of our Passover at, um, at, at who is an old friend of yours and mine and is now uh, a, uh, a compatriot in the, in the clergy with you, Rabbi Chagai Reznikov. Oh, shout out to Chagai. Shout out to Chagai. Who is uh, a a uh, an intellectual um, on a level you know that I almost can't relate to? I mean, a now of course, as you know, speaking of time and Passover, the <laughs> the classic issue with Passover is how freaking long it takes, right? Like it's just such a long thing between getting through the liturgical parts and in and the ritual parts and into the meal. So one year we go over to Chagai Reznikov's house for, for first night Seder, and he announces to us, um, if you want to jump in, David, you were there, so you can at any moment. But he, he announces to us that good news, he says. You remember this, David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good news. My family is out of town, so we no longer have to be uh, beholden to how rapidly they pushed through the Seder. Good news, he announces, as if we would all cheer and say, hooray, finally, the constraints of the shortness of the Seder are are shrugged off. He says, this year, we can really take our time with the text, and we can just take as long as we... No, what he said is like, this year, I think we'll all just agree. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Just agree take our time. We will all agree, he told us, without asking us, truly, by the third hour, I don't think we've gotten to Dayenu yet, 
And people started to stream out of there. People were like, oh, you know what? I do have plans this evening. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're not going to be able to this. I think it were four to five, it was four to five hours before the food arrived. Our stepfather left. He's not Jewish. He wanted no part of this. But at any rate, that was a time, a Jewish time based memory that I had. No, it's just an example of a guy who's so deeply devoted to this beautiful thing we call Jewish time. That That's right. Every other every other relationship to time does not matter to me. Um, finally, final anecdote, unless you have some wrap-up thoughts you wanted. I was thinking you could tell one of my favorite Jewish stories that you have. Um, one other example of Jewish time is in the uh, dietary restrictions. Um, there is a time between which uh, when you eat meat and when you can go back to eating dairy. and uh, you know, it's different amounts of time you have to wait between eating meat and being able to eat dairy. And it varies from community to community. In our family, we're Eastern European Jews. It's six hours, which is the most difficult one, the longest one. In a lot of um, Mizrahi communities, it's three hours. And a strange outlier is uh, the Amsterdam Jewish community, <laughs> where it's 40, 45 minutes, right, David? Yeah, right. They have like a they have a, an unusual unusual custom that they only wait 45 minutes between eating meat and then again being able to eat dairy. And, and, and you, you had an experience at Yeshiva about that very, very right. unusual. So, Tell us right. that story. So, you know, I like, you know, st- I started, you know, being observant later in life, went off to Yeshiva, like with a bunch of yeah, what they call a Balchuva yeshiva, you know, a bunch of people who uh, who are like new to the religion, right? New to observance. And uh, and they're trying to figure out like, how do we, you know, how do we do this? And what what are all the rules? And, and you know, there, yeah, there are rules, but there are different, different practice. There are, as you know, they're different customs. So like, you know, we're talking about waiting, um, uh, you know, this time period after you eat meat before you can eat dairy again. And um, people have different customs. And uh, one of the students asks what is a legitimate kind of like theoretical question, which is, wait a minute, like there's all these different customs. I don't have a custom. So why can't I just like there's a six hour custom, there's a three hour custom, and then there's this 45 minute custom over here. Like, I'll just take that one on as mine. And, and I was at a pretty like also like a pretty hard, like kind of fundamentalist place and and the rabbi teaching the class looks up at him and says they can do that because that is their custom but you cannot do that because they are wrong <laughs> i love that story <laughs> it's so flexible and rigid at the same time it's like different no. communities have different traditions and they're all correct but you cannot do the one that is incorrect like okay <laughs> But there is there is something beautiful and deep about that answer, even even that has like a you know an insulting tinge to it, because it's like you know that's really true. That on the one hand, the like Jewish tradition's relationship to time has been all about like precision and exactitude and sort of like scrupulous observance. But on the other hand, it's so um, bent and 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 molded by the particular experience of like these people, this community, this town, this family's journey through history. And ultimately things like end up changing that match more our experience of, of time than they do some theoretical construct that's out there. So like 
the fact that it's their tradition, even though it doesn't match what's like, quote unquote, right, that is actually more valid. Like that is actually, they've now like formed their own mode of time. Yeah. So if you are out there listening uh, and you are stuck in this timeless morass that is quarantine, may you bend Jewish time uh, in a way that is meaningful to you. Find a way to get into the rhythm of the Jewish calendar in ways that will make this quarantine less unbearable. Amen. David, I have enjoyed this time with you. Oh my gosh, how do you do it? How do you do it? You're such a rapid-fire wit. Well, it is all of the 10,000 hours of time I spent on stage. Hello. This guy. I would say. This guy never stops. And goodbye to you, David. Goodbye Goodbye to you. See you next time. I have had a wonderful time. What a time it's been. All right, gotta go. Yeah, we should go now. Boom, boom, boom.